This message is from the Axis Church, a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. For more information about Jesus or the Axis vision in Nashville, go to theaxischurch.org. Well, today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be celebrating the faithfulness of Jesus, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit to the Axis Church. And we're also going to be looking ahead and speaking of things that we're hopeful that God is up to as we present some things that are a vision for the church. We wanted to start today with reminding us of our identity as a church family, of who we are as the Axis Church. We are a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. We are a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. Redeemed. We are cherished by God the Father. We have been purchased through the action and obedience of Jesus, God's Son. We have been changed and are being transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are redeemed. We're a redeemed community. Community is team. We're better together. We are fulfilling together. We're pursuing one another. We're, we're working towards obedience in regards to the one another's of the New Testament. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Bear with one another. The one another's of the New Testament. We also know that in this life, having a community of people that can help you stay the path and continue putting one foot in front of the other is so helpful. God knew this. That's why he has such a thing as a local church family. This is what we are. We are a redeemed community, a family. We're a redeemed community of missionaries. We believe here at the Axis Church that every Christian is a missionary. There's not like a real Christian and then like a part-time Christian or, or a super Christian and then like a JV Christian. We think that every Christian is a missionary. You're taking the gospel across the street and around the world, but one is not considered a missionary any more than the other. Every Christian is a missionary. Every missionary and every Christian is also a disciple. Every missionary, every Christian, and every disciple is also a discipler. This is what it looks like to walk in obedience according to what's given to us in the New Testament. So the matter, the, the question is, and, and where it comes down to is, are we being obedient and if so, why not? And, and how can we pursue obedience in following Jesus faithfully in his call to go and make disciples? So we are a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. You see, the fact is they're opposer Jesuses. They are counterfeits to who Jesus is. There's the finger pointing Jesus. He's going to catch you when you mess up. And you better fear him. His eyes are like fire. That's a phony Jesus. There's also the, the no Jesus. There's the no fun, no music, no drinks, no laughing Jesus. He doesn't exist either. There's the do the list Jesus. Do this, do this, do this. Or else the finger pointing Jesus is going to find out. And you're going to have two phony Jesuses at your door. There are many more false and phony Jesuses than these. Our hope is that 
we help others, including our own selves, learn more and more about who the real Jesus is. The Jesus who is the Jesus in the Bible. The Jesus who received all the finger pointing for us so that we could receive the warm embrace of our creator, God. The Jesus who received all the shame and the disgrace and the condemnation for us so that now there is nothing that we can do to cause the smile to come off of God the Father's face toward us because when he sees us, he sees his son and his declaration of his son is this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So for those who are in Christ, because of the real Jesus, he is well pleased with us because Jesus took our failure and the consequence of our failure. And this is why we make much of the real Jesus. Our hope and our prayer is that we experience more and help others experience more the real Jesus who perfectly and always obeyed for us as us so that there is now grace in the pursuit of following God in obedience and becoming more Christ-like. Our hope is that we do all things possible to make the real Jesus unignorable in this part of the world, to make him famous, to glorify him in all that we do. I see the real Jesus in Middle Tennessee after living here for seven and a half years. I see Jesus, the real Jesus, as so, un uh, so ignorable at this point. It's like he's nowhere on people's radar. The Jesus that people said no to doesn't exist, and they think that they've said no to the real Jesus, but they haven't. My hope is that through the missionaries in this room and through what God is doing in this region, through other missionaries and disciples and disciplers, is that the level and awareness of the real Jesus will come to where it's unignorable. People have to deal with the real Jesus. He's, he's there. He's everywhere they look and everywhere they turn. This is our hope and our prayer. I get the joy of telling you this. There's people here today who have believed and confessed the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. They professed him as Lord, and they want you and they want everyone else to know about it. And we get to celebrate this today through baptism. You see, baptism is a symbol. It's a sign given to us in the New Testament. It's a symbol that we have believed and set our hope upon Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. Baptism itself doesn't save you. It's a symbol or picture telling others that you have been saved. It's a symbol declaring to others that you are unashamedly Christian, that you believe and cherish the Holy Bible, that you're pursuing Jesus and desiring and working to be like him, and that you love God and that you're being loved by God. You know, we use symbols and signs in other formal ceremonies. For instance, we do this at weddings. Now, my wedding band, it doesn't make me married. I'm not unmarried because I just took this ring off. This doesn't make you married. It's simply a symbol or a sign of a commitment, of an inward commitment and an inward love that I have for my wife. Baptism is a similar symbol in this way. It's a picture, it's a symbol or sign of an inward devotion and love that you have for another, namely Jesus. And so earlier today, we were able to baptize three people. Today, we get to baptize seven in our 11 o'clock service. I want this to be a celebration of God's faithfulness with us as he continues to save and change people. I don't want you just to watch this and think, oh, that's great, that's cool. I want you to stop and think, these people were dead. They were enemies of God. They hated him. 
and he changed them and he brought them to life. They had stone cold hearts and he put in them warm beating hearts of flesh that are now beating for the Father's glory. They were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. But now God has made them alive together with Christ and it has been by grace that they are saved. Don't just watch people go under and come out and think that's cool. Think, man, this is marvelous. This is catastrophic. God has changed these people. It would be less amazing if we were to dig up a tomb and the person come alive. That would be so much less impressive compared to what we get to celebrate today. This is historic and this is eternal. This is radical what we get to observe here. That's amazing. The faithfulness of Jesus to his people. You've just witnessed that. This is glorious. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for saving people and changing people's lives. Thank you for your faithfulness to your church. Thank you for the love that you show towards us in redeeming us. Thank you for coming to the sick and to the lost. Thank you for saving people and letting us to observe and celebrate this with them. Be with our time this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, our kids, uh, fourth grade and under, can now be dismissed. What you just saw is, is a big reason of, of, of why we do what we do. We love to see people fall in love with Jesus and begin worshiping God and being changed by the Holy Spirit, affected by the life, death, and resurrection of the real Jesus. Today we have the joy and privilege of sharing in communion together once again, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. Our tradition here is to take communion together each week. We do this because we believe it to be a teaching of the New Testament, but we also do it because it forces us to remember. It helps us fight the natural drift towards forgetfulness. It's a part of our vernacular here at the Axis of fighting the drift. Our hope and our prayer is that you, along with us, fight the drift towards isolation by growing in Christian community and seeking fellowship with the local church. Our hope and our prayer is that you, along with us, fight the natural drift towards self-centeredness by seeking to live active lives of mission on mission with the local church. And our hope and our prayer is that you fight the ever so natural drifting towards worldliness with an aggressive and active pursuit of Jesus, pursuing holiness, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer. We don't naturally desire or drift towards obedience. You don't just happen upon health. Health is usually something we pursue and have to work towards. You don't just happen upon holiness. It's a pursuit. It's intentional, often difficult. You don't just drift towards pursuing Jesus, the real Jesus, and making him famous. You see, all Christians must fight. We, we must do something to continue to make progress towards obedience to God and, and seeking to become more and more like Jesus. And the good news in the gospel is that the gospel provides for us the motive to pursue as well as the fuel and the strength to pursue. 
because we're at war. There's never a time in the Christian life where we just are stagnant. There's never a point in the Christian life where we can just truly be at ease. The enemy is alive and active. We are involved in a battle. We never just stay. The winds are blowing. The current is taking. We don't just take our hands off the wheel and stay where we are. We lose ground if we're not advancing. This is what I mean by fighting the drift. We're always moving and drifting. We have to be aware of this drift and fight it. And this is how we view communion. It's a way that we fight together. We fight forgetfulness. It's how we fight to remember the faithfulness of Jesus and what he accomplished for us. We have for you here today broken pieces of bread that represent the body of Jesus that was torn. The body of Jesus, God's son that was ripped, that was shredded to the point that he didn't look human. The bread represents the body that Jesus offered up for us in his perfect life, living as our representative. Remember that when you take the bread. The wine or the juice that we have for you here today, it represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. His very life given for you as your substitute. Remember that. Remember that there were actual wounds that Miss Nora was talking about. That there were nails that pierced the hands and feet of Jesus. Thorn, a crown of thorns placed upon the head of Jesus. A spear slicing open the side of Jesus. A flogging that ripped the back of Jesus, exposing organs. Remember this when you take the bread and dip it into the juice or the wine, watching it absorb the red liquid. Remember this. You know, Jesus said that when he first administered this sacrament. He told his disciples, as often as you take this meal and as often as you drink this cup, do so in remembrance of me. Remember me. Because he knows that we're prone to forget we're prone just to go through the motions. We're prone to take it for granted. Remember. But why remember? Why was it necessary for Jesus to do what he did for us? Why? I mean, we're coming to celebrate it today. We're coming to remember. But why did he offer his, his body? And why did he give us his blood as a sacrifice? You see, Jesus came to live perfectly for you as your representative. And what that means is it cancels out your life of sin. Jesus's perfection is now in place of your imperfection. His sinlessness and righteousness is now in place of your sinfulness and unrighteousness. He's your representative. Cancels out your life of sin. Jesus came to die on a cross, shedding his blood for you as your substitute. And in this act, it's where Jesus suffers in your place, absorbing the wrath of God that you deserve. So not only does his life cancel out your life, his death takes penalty for the sinful life that you did live. So that now you are declared righteous. Which I love to look at that in scripture and every time I see it, circle it and write in the margin, good enough for heaven perfect. 
as good as Jesus is. He's earned this for us. So when you're ready, I invite you to come, but I want you to remember. Remember what he has done for you and remember why. And as you remember, allow this remembering to lead to worship and thankfulness and gratitude. Let me pray for our time as our servers come. Jesus, thank you for your saving activity for us. Thank you for giving us this gift of communion as a way of fighting that drift to forgetfulness. Lord, thank you for this gift that, that allows us to remember your saving activity to produce in us thankfulness and gratitude and worship. Lord, help us consider these things before we come and take this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now, like I said, this morning is a little bit different uh, as we see this as our kickoff year for or kickoff day for the year of 2016 before us. We wanted to wait until families got back into town from traveling, students got back uh, from their break uh, for Christmas. Um, and we, we have some exciting things on the horizon that we feel like the Lord is up to in 2016 and beyond. First, we, we want to express what the elders see as our purpose for this year, specifically for 2016. We are adopting this statement as our purpose for this year, to know, love, and obey God, and to help others do the same. This was taken from a recent study I did in Ezra, where in chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, And the good hand of his God was upon him, and he set it in his heart to study the law of his Lord and to do it, and to teach others the statutes and commandments of his Lord. So this is where we gather this statement from. And what this means here is that we want to approach this calendar year, 2016, with this goal and with this purpose. The elders and the leaders are aware that just much like in most parts of the world today, there's confusion, confusion and questions about what discipleship is and what does it look like to live as a missionary in our, in our part of the world. So we are systematically working to aid us all in what it looks like to be a disciple and to be a discipler of others, what it looks like to be a missionary here in, in Middle Tennessee. So what we plan to do is we plan to weave a, a mission discipler thread through each sermon throughout 2016. We're going to be offering uh, more equip classes to help equip you to do the work of the ministry as a missionary and as a discipler. We're also going to be coaching our Access community leaders and what it looks like to better train and, and equip and lead disciplers and missionaries. We want to emphasize discipleship like never before and set it very high on why we do what we do and how we do what we do. We want to hammer this point home as consistently and as often as we possibly can in any number of ways. That's what I mean by systematically. It's not just going to be a class. It's, it's going to be infused through everything that, that we do in hopes that it makes it a little bit more simpler to be a discipler and missionary because we're just trying to immerse us all in it and its teaching. 
You see, there's a disconnect between discipleship in the church and discipleship in the rest of our lives. And the reason why I put quotes around that is because in most parts of our lives, we know what discipleship is, but we don't consider it discipleship. That's kind of vague and confusing. Here's what I mean. Let's see. I am I'm influenced by Auburn fans, right? I have a greater appreciation for Auburn than Alabama, not because Alabama beat Clemson last week, but because I hear about Auburn all the time. We have a lot of Auburn grads here at the Axis, right? And so they have, just by their love and frequency of mentioning Auburn, it has become, they have discipled me in a sense to appreciate them a little bit more than I did before. I like coffee a little bit more than I did before, and I'm growing in my palate sophistication, if you will, as I hang out with the baristas of the Axis Church. You see, you talk about things that you love, and you affect others when you talk about what you love. You can't help but talk about it if you care for it. I know that Nate and Christina, they love Chicago. They love Chicago Bulls. They love Michael Jordan. I, like, when I think Chicago Bulls, I think Nate would, right? It just happens. Clay Cornett loves deer hunting. He, he affects me in this way. Like, we, we talk about what we love, and we affect others when we talk about what we love. But there's a dichotomy that exists in the church that's the sac- secular, sacred dichotomy. When we so effortlessly can make disciples of things that we love that are in this secular realm, yet when it comes to the sacred realm, we don't know how to make a disciple. One, I would say that there is no secular sacred divide, that all of life is sacred. There isn't a Christian part of your life and a non-Christian, right? To, uh, um, as uh, Adam said, uh, he wanted Christianity not just to be merely part of his life, but uh, impossible to be seen and associated apart from it. This is what we want. We want to consider, I don't have all the answers for how we're going to do this, but we're in this pursuit and on this pursuit this year where we're wanting to try to figure out how we can become faithful followers of Jesus and disciples of others to the point where it's as effortless as talking about Chicago Bulls or coffee and how we can affect others this way to where we're as passionate about it as we are the other things in our lives. We want to grow in our awareness and ability in making disciples of Jesus. I want to set you all up. The elders want to set us up to be faithful missionaries and disciplers, some of the best that this region has, has ever seen. Because the fact still remains that it's still far too easy to get to hell from Middle Tennessee. And my hope, my prayer is that as the missionaries and Christians and disciples in this room take this seriously this year, and I pray puts us on a trajectory of growing in our awareness and obedience from this point on until we die, that it'll be a little bit more difficult to get to hell from Nashville, Tennessee. This is our hope, and this is our prayer. So I ask that we begin praying for God to set our hearts, as Ezra would put it, or to to purpose our hearts to study the word and to do it, to hear the word and to do it, as James would say in the New Testament as well as to teach others to do the same. So let us love, let us know, love, and obey God more and help others do the same. That's going to be our mission that we're thrusting everything through in 2016. And as this happens, 
there will be more converts, meaning there are going to be more Christians. There's going to be new disciples made. There's going to be more disciples deployed, more missionaries living in obedience. And you see this happen in the book of Acts. I encourage you to read the book of Acts and just see how God just adds to the church daily. Doesn't just add, he literally multiplies through the obedience of his people living on mission. Because when people take their call to be a missionary seriously, God begins to change people and save people. And now as these people are being saved and, and beginning to live lives on mission, more people are saved. And it does become multiplication and not merely addition to the church. I say that to say this. By faith and with total 100% elder agreement, we're going to be following one step at a time, following Jesus in the planting of another Axis Church campus. Now, as more people are saved and changed by Jesus, we must branch out and begin expanding. This is very exciting news that I'm very passionate about. We believe that this new work is going to play, take place somewhere in the Goodlettsville, Gallatin, Hendersonville area. And right now, we, we don't know a lot more than just we're saying, just we want you to pray that God would help us in this, to literally take one step at a time. That's the plan so far. Step one, and we don't know what step two is, but step one is to have the people pray. Again, if you read the book of Acts, man, when God's people begin praying together, he shows up and he does things. And often, people are sent out to plant other churches and to do more missionary work. You see that all throughout the book of Acts. So we believe that God is up to something, and we are taking one step at a time here in this new work. So we do ask you to pray. We ask you to pray for funding for this work. We ask you to pray for missionaries that are called to this work. We ask that you pray for the soil to receive this work. And ask God to save people in this new church and, and pray for leaders to be raised up to help lead in this work and, and pray for wisdom and prudence for this because wisdom, prudence is basically good timing with wisdom, right? It's a way of understanding prudence. So be praying for wisdom and for being obedient to that wisdom in the time that is best. So finally, Pastor Jacob and a few others, they've worked very, very hard to get us on a trajectory towards organizational health as a church, as well as financial health as a church. Uh, it is encouraging to see uh, that, that uh, handout there in front of you. Pastor Jacob, come on up. Let's welcome him as he's going to walk us through that. Thank you, brother. What a great morning to be at the Axis Church. It's been such a joy to be with you all. Uh, this is a historic moment, a day for us. Uh, for those of you who have not been with us for more than a year, what you don't know is that we don't give an annual report every year, but this is the first one in the history of the church. So praise God for that. So excited just to grow up, to mature, to get some more clarity on organizational financial financial structure within the church. Get, uh, get one of these if you haven't already. We're just going to run through. The main point of this is to celebrate what God has done, to look forward to the year together, what we believe he's going to do, and to just pray for, for his work to continue at the Axis Church. If you'll look at this side with the circles and the bar graphs at the top first, I'm going to reference a few things here. Uh, a year ago, I never thought I would get this excited about bar graphs and charts and, and Google Docs, but man, uh, the Lord has 
has birthed a new excitement for organizational health here. So let's take a look. This first category we have is worship gathering attendance. And if you see, we go all the way back to 2011 there. I actually met Pastor Jeremy about six weeks into the Access Church plant. They were meeting at the Morgan Park Community Center about six blocks up the road. Uh, I showed up. There were 12 people in attendance, and five of them were the Rose family. So it was, uh, it was a low number day. So as you can see, we've got 2011 all the way to what we're projecting for 2016. It's incredible to consider the consistent, persistent faithfulness of Jesus to grow us radically at around a 27% attendance rate each year. We didn't plan that. That's just more evidence of his faithfulness. We don't celebrate numbers because that's what it's about. It's not about numbers, but we do want more people to come and hear about the real Jesus, to meet the real Jesus, to be a part of the special work that he is doing in and through the access. So that's why we celebrate. Uh, 2015, we averaged 225 people on a Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're looking at 284 for this year. So uh, buckle up. We're going to have to start making those announcements. Scoot in, you know, make some way for visitors. So can't wait to see what God's going to do. Move on to the second row here. We've got our budget numbers for 2015 and 2016. And next to that is our giving. This is what you guys gave financially and the money that we raised outside of the internal giving of the Axis Church. If you'll notice on these two little circles here, there's a darker area in each circle. This is the percentage of money that we are fundraising from outside of the Axis Church to meet our budget. So one of the big goals we have, if you notice that golden eyeball there under the circles, uh, we're praying and would like to see us give more faithfully to close that gap. So we're relying less on outside fundraising to meet our budget. By uh, January 1, 2019, we want to see the Axis be 100% self-sustaining church. So pray with us for that. Excited to see what the Lord's going to do. Uh, this next category is outward giving. This is the money that the Axis Church gave away, is planning to give away. One huge encouraging thing that from last year to this year, we're planning on increasing our outward giving by 177%. That will bring us to giving away 3.7% of our overall budget, with our goal being by 2018 to be giving away 10% of our total budget to outside ministries and outside needs. So let's keep pressing there. You give more faithfully, we're going to be able to be better stewards and give more faithfully in turn. So we're really excited about that. Let's turn over to the other side. This is some more stuff to celebrate. You've heard about our Axis communities, eight pockets of people that scatter from Sunday to Sunday in smaller groups of Christ followers. Uh, we had 204 people attend an Axis community in 2015. That's amazing. God did amazing things in our Axis communities. Our prayer is that we're going to see eight more Axis communities multiplied this year where we'll have 16 ACs in our city. So pray with us for that. If you're not plugged into an AC and you want to be a part of this church, it's the primary way to be part of the community and the mission of the church in our city, Axis Communities. Uh, let's take a look next at the Axis Kids category. So fun. Uh, we had an average of 34 Axis Kids and workers in our Axis Kids ministry every Sunday in 2015. That was a 78% increase from 2014. This is a very specific statistic for you guys. Our Axis Kids consumed, get ready, 13,104 animal crackers in 2015. Can you believe it? For those who care, that's 55 pounds of animal crackers. So can't wait to see how much they're going to eat in 2016. Uh, through your faithfulness and giving, one of the huge celebrations is we were able to hire 
our first full-time staff member dedicated solely to access families and kids, Jason Hermansdorfer. He's doing an outstanding job. Amen. You can, yeah, you can see the fruit of his faithfulness already. So we can't wait to see how many kids are going to meet and worship Jesus as Savior this year through our Access Kids Ministry. Also, our heart for church planting, the next category. We were able to disciple and mentor over 20 church planters and pastors in our region through our third Thursday church planting ministry through the Acts 29 church planting network. We want to see more of that happen in 2016. Finally, this last, the last two categories are ministry partnerships. This is who we gave money to in 2015. In this final category, I'm excited uh, to point out, it's all gold with the gold eyeball. This is any money that you guys give above the 2016 budget, we are committing the money is going to go to these four areas. That is local outreach. We would love to be able to spend more, give more money away to local needs in our neighborhood, in our city. International missions. We love to send people, commission people. So many of you guys have burning in your hearts for different regions of the world. We'd love to be able to give more money to international missions this year. Local church planting. Church plants take money. So we're praying that God will provide a way for this, this, uh, church plant in 2016. And finally, facility updates and repairs. We own the building. You got to fix things. You got to paint things. And so any money above the 2016 budget will be going to those four categories. Thanks for listening. What, what a celebration of what God's doing here. Uh, we're going to take an offering now. I'm going to pray for our offering. We do this every week. This is a biblical mandate for God's people to give to his work. So the offering is one of the ways that we fight the drift together weekly because where we drift is believing that it's our money or it's our stuff or that we're in control of the money and the stuff. And so offering each Sunday is a way for us to sacrifice, to kind of loosen our clenched fist around our stuff, around our money to give back to what God's going to do in our city and in our church family this year. So if you haven't asked yourself this year, a great question is, God, how much are you calling me to give on a regular basis? And am I being obedient? Two great questions. If the answer is yes, thank you. Continue. If the answer is no, I would ask, why not? And that's something for you to work out between you and the Lord. So I'm going to pray. I'll ask our ushers to make ready and uh, we'll take our offering and continue worshiping. Take these with you and uh, let's continue to celebrate. Jesus, thank you for the way you have stubbornly and persistently provided for our church in every way, including financially. We've never missed a bill. The lights have always been on coffee has always been made. Just continue your faithfulness. God, make us a generous church this year. Loosen our tight grip on our stuff and our money and help us to give with joyful hearts and to receive the, the supernatural spiritual blessing that it is to give rather than to receive. Bless the leaders of this church make us wise beyond our years to steward what you give financially for your glory and the fame of the real Jesus in our hearts, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in our city. In Christ's name, amen.